0: to the latest episode of the Interjections Podcast, which we've titled The Undiscovered Decade. Uh, We take a look back at the movies of the 1990s, and we try to find what we consider hidden gems. And uh, this month, we're looking at August 1990, a movie that came out on August 10th, called Air America. I'd heard about this, but I didn't really know what it was about. And it's basically Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. are pilots, they're freelance they come into laos and help drop packages of supplies food whatever might be needed by the villagers out in the middle of the jungle or up in the mountains and uh just follows their escapades as robert downey jr is brought in from america to join this crew that they've dubbed air america so
1: yeah and that's and they're over there in laos during vietnam so like it's supposed to be an unofficial involvement that's why it's yeah. a, uh, an american an american company being fronted by the cia it's not a
2: war it's a courier service
1: yeah yeah there's
0: a lot of uh, subterfuge and then the it's not that weird that they try this but apparently it's one of the first things that was done for vietnam most of them had been dramas most of the films had been dramas about vietnam and now this was trying to attempt to bring comedy to it much is like it a
3: comedy though
0: here's the thing with this movie yeah. the tone is all
3: over the place yeah mm-hmm. nobody has a consistent tone uh mel gibson at times is the sobering cynic of the group and then at other times he's the prankster doing coloring books
0: in yeah. the
3: back while robert dine jr is flying
0: I'm freaking out about he can't see the mountains through the fog right yeah
1: it's a very uh, bipolar movie,
0: which yeah. fits Mel Gibson because he, you know, had been made famous from *Lethal Weapon*, being a bipolar detective. So this is a bad getting,
3: year for Mel Gibson between this and *Bird on a Wire*.
0: Yeah, you were saying a couple months ago when that came out, not quite yeah. memorable. Well, uh, can't always hit with the gems, but I enjoyed it as it was going on. Though I don't think it's the best film, I was happy to see young Mel and young Robert Downey Jr.
1: Very young. He's like, baby, he's baby face. It's
0: pretty early in Downey's career. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: See, I, I was in it for young RDJ and
2: our Lord and Savior, Roger Deakins.
0: Oh, right. Roger Deakins shot uh, this. Was yeah. this pretty early in his career? I forgot to
2: uh, look at his film Pretty early. Like, he had done um, blade runner and stuff like he'd been doing stuff since the 80s so
3: yeah
0: i'm sure he did
2: some stuff with the
3: cohen's
0: right by this point. well that was barry levinson to start stuff like um
3: no Sonnenfeld, you're thinking of
0: or Sonnenfeld, yes thank you um i don't know if he finished with miller's crossing or not but that might be the first deacons right uh, um yeah, Downey had just done chances are I was about to do soap dish, he'd, he'd hit it bigger with stuff like Chaplin because he gets his first Oscar nomination. It was still kind of like in the Brat pack phase.
3: He's still got some, uh, some baby fat to his face. He looks, uh, oh, yeah, he looks very fresh. Although, um, it's weird, he's supposed to be the young rookie of them all, but he, he's like he's the most straight out of all of them, yeah.
1: Like, yeah. It's,
3: it's weird funny. for a movie very, that's trying to be a buddy comedy. They spend maybe a half hour together at Tops.
0: Yeah, only when they finally have to walk through the jungle together. Because yeah, I think this trash. thing's
3: mismarketed as yeah. a yeah. buddy action comedy.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Like, and then, like, wait, uh, how well did this movie do?
0: Not that well. Not, not at, at all. all. It debuted at third, and I think it didn't really. Oh, I closed that tab. It didn't really do much more. Because I was gonna say, like, it made like. Three million dollars. Okay,
1: because like I was gonna say, like you know, like uh, the tradition of an '80s comedy and well into the '90s is like like, have a lot of cars crash.
0: Yeah.
1: And this movie was a little ambitious, and they had tried to have a lot of planes crash. Yeah. Yeah. First one's played for laughs. Fired a little because they sunk too much budget on like crashing planes and making them explode, and not focusing on like the writing. Yeah. It was almost like
2: they were trying to just do Lethal Weapon, but in Vietnam.
1: So I feel
3: like they were trying to do mash Lous. at times with some of the hijinks, especially with the like Art LaFleur character and some of the other ones. Yeah, right. But again, this the tone is so non-committal as to whether it wants to be a drama or a comedy that you can't really laugh at right. the cynical humor. Like the Richard Rush stuff. It w- as a matter <laughs> of fact, uh Trissa and I watched a movie by Richard Rush called The Stuntman, Man, which balances the tone perfectly which goes back and forth between surrealist comedy and drama and then some action. Right. But that it walks that fine line like perfectly.
2: That.
3: I don't think Roger Spotsworth has the chops to do it.
0: Well, wasn't it supposed to be someone else? I read that it was going to be either Rush himself or someone else and Spots I think there was another film he had just done where he filled in for someone. And right. so they took that and he got the Air America job because he had done so well filling in. They were like, we just need someone to get this done. Quickly, yeah. so um, like I
3: think he would have had a lighter touch with the heroin smuggling stuff. They kind of gloss over that a bit.
0: Yeah, you know, a little bit. I do like Roger Spottiswood because he did one of my favorite Bond films that I think is underrated. Tomorrow Never Dies. Everyone I totally talks agree. About with Goldeneye, it. but the second one that Pierce Brosnan did is just as fun.
3: Mm-hmm. Might be the best one actually in my mind for Pierce I mean, Brosnan.
0: I, it's my favorite of the Pierce Brosnan Bond films. But mm. Goldeneye. I think
3: Goldeneye is Goldeneye's a tad overrated.
0: I like them both, but I think I like Tomorrow Never Dies more. I think it's... Yeah, I like yeah. Michelle Yeoh and Jonathan uh, Price, right? Yeah. And... Uh,
3: Terry Hatcher. The,
0: the problem is you can't complain about anyone in GoldenEye either, so... But I think Spottish was direction. He he honed his action skills probably from this to make Tomorrow Never Dies the good film it became. So right. we can't fault this movie for that. He's still cutting his chops.
3: I mean, he did Shoot the Kill, which I'm a big fan of.
0: Yeah. Um... But yeah, I think it might have been fine if it was just Richard Rush taking over, you know? Right. I wonder if they'd wanted him to do it. I didn't actually see anything about him other than he wrote it. Uh, the other thing
3: is um, Nancy Travis.
0: Yeah.
2: She's hmm. in it?
3: Yeah. Barely.
0: Yeah.
2: Not uh, really sure what her character's supposed to be. A plot device for the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if they could have gotten anyone else, but they were seeing she was getting bigger with stuff like well, Loose Cannons wasn't that big, but um, <laughs> Three Men and
3: a Baby, I guess.
0: Yeah, she's the, she's the girl from that. So she had a pretty decent year, if not these two films not doing that well. Though you actually, you know what? You say that Air America didn't do well. This was Robert Jenny Jr.'s second biggest film until Iron Man. Oh my god yeah uh, Wait, says, what? yeah yeah um how is this possible it's it's i think it made like 38 million but he didn't do that well through the 90s because he was tapering off and the early 80s movies he was they were making like 10 to 20 so it's just above those and a then, movie
3: that he starred in i guess yes because back to school i know did better than this right and weird science that's like the other stuff. one right
0: but uh yeah so he he didn't really make it money wise until the last decade or so it was all he was co-starring and stuff so i
1: mean he did he probably was raising a kid at the time
0: no no the kid was heroin well, he had a kid eventually. <laughs> yeah. He cleaned up and like the
1: kid was
3: falling asleep in people's houses after he
1: conked out on heroin. Oh no, falling asleep in babies' cribs in people's houses. Did
0: he actually have a child? I don't know. He married Susan.
1: Yeah, no, he, I, I don't know how, or... how how when his kid was born. So like maybe this was like that yeah, was later. Remember. But like, um, uh, yeah, no, definitely he he had a he had issues with like like the joke that was yeah well,
0: falling asleep in people's well, houses falling
1: asleep in people's houses in their babies' cribs
0: well like a month later was his first arrest for drug possession
1: yeah i, I did it's where they
0: should have
3: capitalized on that and made him like the wild maverick of the group oh, they he, tried he to control. one
0: scene there was a scene where mel after having an ethical discussion about everything up in the hills and they come back and robert Downey jr is just like i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i want and mel's like i warned you against that didn't you tell me <laughs> right. to do what i want like it didn't make any sense and he then go to yeah. blow up the Pepsi plant that's hiding all the heroin. So
2: it went like
3: That was product placement by the way.
0: Yeah. Um well reverse like, product placement. Well, like they were forced for to put in
2: <laughs> they were forced to put in a line because Pepsi didn't like their abandoned factory being like they wanted them to use a fictional soda company. Mm. Um, you know because they didn't want to be associated with <laughs> heroin smuggling right yeah so yeah, they, add, they added, they <laughs> added the line yeah so they the producers added the line uh i wonder if pepsi knows about this <laughs>
0: yeah it helped me i heard that i'm like oh that's nice maybe that's how they got pepsi to agree <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i knew um but it made it more i mean, weird, yeah. i think because yeah, then think you have Google. a real thing a real company you know, funding the, the situation?
1: Well, it was not like a, it was an abandoned Pepsi uh, factory. Yeah, but if it was a so. fake
0: soda that kind of takes me out yeah. of it. You know? Oh, yeah, not true. Yeah. Um, I hate also, my knows
2: Pepsi's thinking. fake anyway.
0: Right. My biggest, my, pet, my biggest pet peeve is that when you um, look at someone's phone nowadays and it just looks like it was a <laughs> blue screened made up thing, there's like only two versions of text that we get. And it's right. iphone or android but it's always like something different and you can tell oh the budget was low on this film they yeah like have- they're
3: using comic sans nobody has
0: comic Sans. exactly yeah. so um when they have an actual product like pepsi show up it's it feels better so
1: feels gra- more
2: grounded yeah also to like go with the integrity of this being a historical fiction film or historical Non-fiction. i don't know what is, based on a book but was it like how how what's the the level i think it's like a
3: joseph heller like catch 22 type book
0: yeah christopher cousins had i think it was christopher cousins had been in vietnam uh doing similar stuff uh he may not have been a pilot but he was there doing journalistic stuff it's kind of like that what was that tina Fey movie where she's in afghanistan Whiskey
3: oh. Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: he, he was in that sort of situation. And then he writes a book and it was called Air America because he hung out with all these pilots. So he knew what their situation was and how they couldn't really tell anyone what was going on. Okay. Being mind. So.
2: See, I didn't know if this was like based on true events or if it was. True enough. You know.
0: Yeah, there probably wasn't an actual Gene Ryack and Billy Covington, but, you know, they're amalgamations of people that cousins met, you know
2: too bad I think, guys to person, situations.
0: I think the one
3: person that hits the uh, the right balance in terms of tone because they're a little cartoonish in the movie is Lane Smith yes as a senator
0: yeah so I wish it was more of happened. him we, did, we didn't mention that the other the other situation that's going on at the same time as these pilots teaching Downey how to fly everything uh is a senator has come to inspect the CIA operation which is a covert smuggling right. uh and so you got ken jenkins who was on scrubs as kelso the commander of the uh er and he's the one hiding all the smuggling and then this senator lane smith comes in to investigate. <clears throat> so
2: like yeah. you were saying it it feels like almost like the the senator character was brought in to be the comic relief, but because everyone else is so over the top, he just comes off as more of the straight man.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah,
3: <clears throat> yeah, definitely. During like the nightclub scene where uh, where they go golfing afterwards, where they're all being eccentric, like Tim Thomerson and uh, Art LaFleur. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is gonna, get, this is cool. This is gonna get to see a lot of character actors shine in this scene, and then they're <clears throat> kind of put off to the side. I really don't even know their names in the
0: movie.
2: I don't even. Yeah, yeah, no. Neely. Really?
0: Yeah, there's. I,
2: I only know, I only knew uh, Art LaFleur's character name because, you know, they kept yelling it after he died. Like that was the. <laughs> and then I realized I didn't even know it was him at first until I'm like, wait, he's missing from the scene. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, that was kind of a letdown because he's talking about the golden BB the whole time. He's so scared of dying and then he just dies off screen yeah that was
1: right you're real i feel like this was edited confusingly yeah well no like uh he he did say like before like before the first crash he was like oh i feel it this is the golden bb and like you know you see him like survive the crash you think no no he's fine but then like later on when you see uh see the uh the two main characters come back from the jungle and they survived uh two because there was like a second and third crash and whatnot and there was a certain was like kind of uh, a rescue party and he was part of the rescue party like um like you had that little bit at the beginning where he he said the golden bb i feel it this is it then he survives and you're like oh maybe he missed he dodged it. Right. but it then you miss finally direct. there's like a resolution uh where everything everybody seems to be coming back all right then you see his dead body covered in a tarp with his with his uh camera on top of him so like you know he's dead so it's I not entirely off screen but it's like it's like two or three seconds if you don't pay attention i,
0: I think it's then, a double-edged sword because i wanted to see him die but yeah. then you get this sense that mel gibson and robert Downey jr have of missing him because you yeah. were there you probably would have died too so you're on their side yeah of emotions and
1: that and that's kind of a thing with like a job like that even if you go back to like the first world war and second world war with like combat pilots like you have a bunch of people doing a separate sorties or going on separate missions then you come back to base and you're like oh man where's so-and-so he didn't make it yeah. and like that you kind of get that like that vibe so a little bit
0: despite in the moment not liking it i think it was better that way even if it was an accident in editing because even if they filmed a scene of him dying it might have been yeah. smarter to do it that way because it brings out your emotions.
3: You know what I thought yeah. in terms of structure when uh, when we, we started getting in the second half and they're um, they're hanging up in the tree canopy and they have to eject themselves I was like oh this is going to be cool this is going to narrow it down to these two characters it's going to be like a survival action movie for the last half it doesn't happen. Yeah. I was, so, stuff old, stuff I was so excited stuff. for the yeah. prospect of that it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah I thought that was going to be the rest of the movie Yeah. But it was like it another was- 10 minutes maybe. <laughs>
2: The most sobering, <laughs> serious part was uh, the interaction was <clears throat> I think it was the, the senator was asking Mel Gibson about oh, keeping yeah. the kayak. Yeah and yeah you because know, he um, hired some local craftsman to make this thing that looks like a, a small arc and then you find out that it's uh, it's Neely's coffin.
0: Yeah. And, and I that's
2: was like, oh.
0: That's the point at which you realize the senator isn't as dumb as he's been made out to be. You realize that Mel, while he's joking around all the time, he does have that serious nature on him. While it's bipolar in tone for the film, Mel, I think, was pretty solid throughout.
1: Yeah. I think that's his, just, that might be me, though. I I, think, I
0: I was attached to Mel more than Robert Down. Yeah. His,
1: his crazy is very, like, with uh, in tune with his character because, like, he converted to Buddhism. So, like his crazy, just like, yeah, no, like, uh, chaos. It's a more grounded because he understand. has a wife and a kid. He's got to roll with it. Like, he's kind of yeah. like, he's like one of those, like, uh, like, yeah, ca- want- ca- he's a cowboy in the East. Like, all these movies are just going to be cowboy movies. To yeah. Wow. Well, and I just like, he's I, a cowboy in the East.
0: I wanted to look into what the, the Buddhist meditation on death was because he starts to skim the surface of that. And I felt like if this were constructed in a way that was maybe brilliant, uh, they might have presented it as what the journey for a Buddhist is to an American audience. Because I feel like that's what they wanted to do. And that's why Mel's character is talking about everything he does when he's showing where his wife lives to Downey, where the kayak comes in. But I don't think they go into it enough.
3: I don't feel like there's any character has an arc. Neil. Like, like it's, it's implied that people have arcs. But you don't see it.
2: The closest thing to an arc is probably just Robert Downey Jr. getting hazed by Mel Gibson in the first round, and then all of a sudden, like they're besties, yeah. right? Like, all right, you, you you've crossed the the threshold. You're a I don't mind that because
0: that's typical of a buddy comedy movie. But then again, the tone shifting all the time.
2: Yeah. Well, then, he, then you have Mel Gibson's thing at the end where, like, you know, he, he throws out the cargo that he's been saving up for years, you know, because he's been running a, a gun, gun running operation also in addition to this, like, just personally, just to, <clears throat> that's his retirement yeah. plan. And then he's, yeah. you know, that goes back to, um, you know, what's your grace's character?
0: Nancy Travis.
2: Yeah, Nancy Travis's character at the end where all of a sudden they have to pick up all these refugees. And it's like, really, come on, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. I feel like it's forced on him, but it is kind of amusing to be like, you knew he was gonna dump it anywhere, but like yeah it, It's just fate which that's why i wanted to look into this buddhist stuff because is that why he's okay with everything he, he's on a linear path so whatever happens is meant to be i don't know if that was their intention or not but
2: i feel like they could have gone a lot further into that and incorporated it into the story but you know going back to the the editing notes you know i feel like they probably tried that at one point but some got lost in translation It didn't work well with test audiences yeah because when you when you listen to like the music and everything like it goes full buddy comedy at one point and you're like this is it was almost like i was getting some short circuit two vibes like that's <laughs> gotta wish fisher stevens was in this
3: <laughs> yes
0: Speaking of the soundtrack, it's kind of heavy on the prototypical Vietnam movie <clears throat> music.
3: Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, I think I heard the like, Rolling Stones I, I, at one I point. Say, Needle drop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, they they definitely were trying a little hard with the uh, um Vietnam like uh sound by using uh music from that era, but like that's kind of a typical, but like it does feel forced in that like uh to contrast it, they use like nineties sitcom uh riffs like and uh and other moments like like if you if you had more uh if the non musical uh interludes interludes weren't so um so typically 90s campy um it wouldn't the contrast wouldn't be so so bad and drastic yeah or yeah and then, like you know, better better feel for a movie like the Vietnam music would you know work out fine because
3: you know it's funny. Thirty years later, they're still using the same music to uh, signal Vietnam because I swear to God, some of the same songs were played in the uh, Kong Skull Island.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah.
0: the '70s. Got to have uh, I don't I don't know the name. Got
3: the Rolling Stones.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. got to paint it black. Yeah. <clears throat> So I wanted to point something out. I don't know if you guys were aware. I don't know what research you guys did, but I didn't realize. So Ken Jenkins, the guy who's running the CIA covert operation for the smuggling and everything, he has an assistant who kind of bumbles and messes up his situation, revealing everything to the senator obtusely, uh, played by this guy, David Marshall Grant. His name's Robert Deal. He's based on a guy named Jerry Daniels, who apparently was actually an advocate for all the um, Hamang, the Hill people, and he was actually kind of a good person. He, he wasn't part of any drug smuggling. He was trying, he was more of the uh, Nancy Travis character, and in real life, he died in 1982, and people just say that they've seen him still in Laos, helping as much as he can, and that he may have faked his death so that He could continue his refugee work without people trying to assassinate him because that had happened quite a bit. So this guy was actually a good guy. And the general, the the Laotian general that they uh, depict in the film, this actually became a bit controversial because that guy was also an advocate for the Hmong people and helped them get to Montana where Jerry Daniels was from. So there's a big community in Montana of Mm. people from Laos that settled because they were trying to escape persecution in laos and so this real life general was a good guy he was not hiding heroin in a pepsi company you know you should I mean,
3: say who plays that one general in the army so right, like
0: right and so you should say who
3: plays that one general
0: That's oh yeah, a weird it, bit of casting it's Bert. i don't know how to say this quack quack uh he was kato in the pink panther films
3: yeah
0: so he's, he's i'd never
3: seen him in anything else aside from that
0: yeah i didn't realize it was him Hmm.
3: it was yeah. so odd
0: yeah, he's i was like where's peter sellers man it was it was pretty funny though that that moment where um lane smith shows up and tries to give him the bags and everything mm. that was good so i would i would liked more of him but it's just funny that the real life people were good people and they decided to make them of all the people like obviously covington and uh hollywood
3: like, tropes sort of you fit. gotta
0: well hollywood I mean,
3: xenophobic tropes you gotta make
0: yeah.
2: how can we make mel gibson and and Mar- Mar- look good yeah let's make all these really good people look bad
0: but to contrast that ken jenkins character the real life person was the general who abandoned the army and became embroiled as a freelance gun smuggler in the iran contra affair a few years later Mm. so he really is an asshole and that character is accurate. so it's kind of weird that they chose to lump these two good people with the bad one yeah they could have just made up bad people entirely fictionally you know have a kernel of a seed of uh, what actually happened and, and roll from there i mean but, you
1: could have had a completely different movie if like you had uh those characters like more accurate to the real personas that they were supposed to portray
0: yeah and i don't know this for a fact but what if those people did have all the drug smuggling and the guns running and stuff but we're also trying to help the haman people so there's a gray line yeah like they're trying to do good but they have to fund it somehow
1: because yeah, that's so, the thing with like covert operations, like you can't have, have you been a have better money movie. trail to make it like uh, of, official by uh, the government. Because like then people were like, "What you're doing this? Man. Huh? That's 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 the... what Do you have no morality?" It's like that's why we made it covert, so that way you wouldn't freak out about it. Cause... Right.
0: <laughs> so I think
3: stop have... writing a better movie, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
3: Stop it. <laughs>
0: So this is the thing we should be remaking mediocre films, not the best films.
3: They
1: should remake this. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it would be good if, Re- like, they tweak just a little bit.
1: Revisit films that had potential but flopped, and then, <laughs> Hell, we probably could make uh, make this, and like, we won't call it Air America; we'll call it American Airlines. <laughs> I think that's taken.
0: What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, then we'll call it not as a film title.
1: Call <laughs> it the flight attendant. Okay, oh damn it!
0: That's Is that what that's about? I haven't watched it. I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't watch
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we could, or, or we could get like a little, uh, little, little, uh, little artsy and call it like a Moonlight over Laos or whatever. Something, I don't know, something <laughs> stupid. It'll be fine. Throw throwing that room. over Parador 2, Laos. Uh, Operation uh, Dumbo, Robert Jr. Jr. and the. Uh, uh, the operation heroin, heroin drop yeah they, they were like they, they, they really do much with that
0: why was there a romance into that do you think that was forced on by the studios maybe that's the entirety of nancy travis's role it's very Hopefully.
3: underdeveloped for sure oh yeah because
0: that ending when robert daddy jr looks at him like come on <coughs> i might sleep with her right okay i'll yeah, drop my entire uh, nest egg for you to maybe get <laughs> laid
1: you know what they did kind of maybe yeah, but he yeah. has a wife. and the, uh, the uh, lieutenant, that was like the real life lieutenant who was helping people, mm-hmm. because like at the, when they introduced the uh, uh, her, the humanitarian, mm-hmm. she was like on a like date with the uh, oh yeah guy at the beginning
0: with, with deal or whatever.
1: So I guess yeah, that, like there was like a small yeah. attempt.
0: Yeah, I bet the book actually goes into the real details, obviously, but. It's probably it's juggling just
1: too many characters
3: couldn't I
0: yeah yeah um i guess we've pretty much gone through everything though i was gonna say uh do you guys have any final thoughts i hated it Oof. okay i, I mean, guess this is the worst this is, this is
3: like probably the worst year mel gibson's ever had since that dui wow. between this and bird on a wire
0: yeah well he has hamlet later this year
3: okay yeah it just <laughs> gets worse um
0: you don't like that hamlet no i think it's better than the kenneth Brown hmm. one
3: that is very controversial sir we'll have to get to that later in the
0: 90s I they're actually that good yeah
3: <laughs> so this fun. this movie's a little too non-committal with its tone and it doesn't go this is like that soft middle ground where they're not quite sure if they want to be a drama or a comedy i always hate that you know that
0: yeah sorry. but
3: uh I don't really think they exhibit much chemistry either, the two of them, because they're not given enough time to be together. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. it
1: looks like a
3: hatchet job behind the scenes. Whoever did the editing for this just ruined it, bungled it.
1: I, I think maybe also like just like the pre-production and writing, like um, may, maybe uh, whoever was in charge should have probably like stayed off the coke.
0: Well,
2: it is because like, of, of, they're like, doing their
1: own supply. The
2: movie. It feels like they were trying to rush it anyway because, you know, looking into it, it was originally developed around 1985. And they were trying to get it into the theaters, but then Good Morning Vietnam beat it to the punch.
0: It feels like a knockoff of that.
2: Yeah.
3: But I, I mean, there's a lot of different casting choices too for the lead roles.
0: Oh, yeah. You were going to mention.
3: Uh, like Bill Murray was going to be the uh, Mel Gibson role. I kind of see it.
0: He in a way, he'd
3: play it very differently.
0: Exhausted by everything. He'd he maybe play up the Buddhist single.
3: Yeah, you're right. Right. Because uh Razor's Edge was only 10 years before this, so mm-hmm. it'd be interesting. Uh at one point, Belushi, James Belushi, and Kevin Costner were going to be in this.
0: Well, Turner and should just happened. Can't
3: imagine that, <laughs> that landing at all. Yeah, I know.
0: Or canine. I always mix those up.
3: And then Sean Connery was even thought of for the uh, Mel Gibson role.
0: Yeah, before the Untouchable. Or, well, it was coming off of the Untouchables, right? Was that before this? Yeah. Uh, so it would have reunited Sean Connery and Kevin Costner. Costner might have been the uh, Covington role. So. Oh, ah,
3: I, I can't. It
0: doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were much too big for this. Uh, I was going to say, too, uh, we pointed out that Richard Rush had directed The Stuntman and everything. When I saw that he had written this, and a former editor, before he did Shoot to Kill, Spottiswood had been an editor for a lot of things and had written 48 hours. So they had the talent, but they probably should have switched. I think it would have been a better film.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think the casting was good for what it was, but the movie was not that great. Like, honestly... The, the cinematography was great, but the movie was about a half hour too long um, for what it was, especially because it was so noncommittal, used Corey's words. But yeah, that is you know, good. especially if they were trying to like play up the buddy comedy thing, it was like it was the length of a serious movie. But it was just, I think, if they had trimmed it down a little bit, they could have, you know honed in on one particular vibe they were going for um, I I think they just wanted to use all of that aerial footage so they're like we're just going to add another 30 minutes of flying sequences right
3: yeah and you know what and the, the aerial footage is kind of dwarfed by um, when Spielberg does uh, always later in the 90s yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's a much better film and it has better aerial choreography too
0: Mm-hmm. i was going to ask about the two biggest set pieces um there's the one at the end how he crashes into the already down plane. Mm-hmm. i thought that was a little much they would be dead.
2: that was silly yeah. <laughs> they would have gone through the uh window <clears throat> like,
3: turned, turned to turn to spaghetti yeah, yeah they land right in the fuselage and i'm like i oh, don't buy this there's a lot
1: of stuff in on the inside of a plane and for you to land a plane inside and no into, into another plane, plane you yeah and like
3: it's completely you. hollowed out so that they can fit in there.
2: Also the yeah. amount of the the amount of explosions
1: and like just how volatile
2: the wings are on those other yeah, no, planes. No. Oh
1: sure. I was about to say like when the first plane crashed like the tail like came completely off and then it just blew up i'm like there's like that that part doesn't blow up like that
0: yeah and then that tower blows up it's like there were explosives rigged to it already yeah
1: Mm. and and like the funny thing is like uh when they when they like crash at that site uh they even established like just like a few seconds before it was like okay we could land in this old abandoned uh imperial japanese uh airbase and like it was like you know If it wasn't an abandoned Imperial Japanese airbase, like it would have been stripped of all valuables, including like fuel and like like whatever, like people would have used that.
0: That wood would be down from the tower. So like
1: anything that would have exploded should have been not there. Yeah, I feel Um, like
2: this. I feel like this film was partially the inspiration for Tropic Thunder.
0: Oh yeah, I realized that right. That's where Downey's other Oscar comes from. Oscar Nam comes from where he's making yeah, fun yeah. of basically this film.
2: Yeah.
0: It's kind of funny. Um speaking of Downey, the the other set piece that I want to talk about which I actually like but is horribly unrealistic is in the beginning when he's the traffic pilot and he hovers in front of a truck and yells at him. Yeah. Yeah. How could he hear him? Well, I, he, I like it but it's dumb.
1: he like, hear like, like cuz he's <clears> an <throat> air traffic guy and like he's on the radio. And, like, clearly the uh, people at the radio station aren't flipping him off, like, turning, like, switching back to them. They, they left him on so, like, they, they could hear what he's saying to the truck driver live. And they're like, oh, uh, okay. And, like, you could get why the truck driver was able to hear Robert Downey Jr. Jr.'s character because he's tuned into the radio station. But, like, how is Robert Downey Jr. able to hear the truck driver? Right.
3: Yeah, on top of that, that's another example of we're going to show him to be the nonconformist yeah. He's gonna be perfectly fitting with this ragtag group, and then once he gets on the airbase, he's like, "I'm gonna be as conservative as possible."
0: I yeah. hate. Like,
3: that's not why they hired you.
0: Yeah. Did not make any sense. But I will say I liked Mel's character more than <clears throat> I did say that. Yeah, Mel, month, Mel's like, character. I, I was more,
1: into him. He's more endearing.
0: Yeah, so that's that's probably my final take.
1: Because like his crazy is grounded. Everybody else's crazy is just kind of kind of up in the air.
0: Yeah. let's move
3: on <laughs> so some other movies came out this month
2: yeah
3: um probably a nostalgic favorite for all of us which is the ducktales movie Ooh, treasure of the lost can- lamp how does everybody feel about that film have we
1: all seen it i don't remember it if i've seen it
3: one of my favorites
0: we have rewatched that
3: i don't recall that should have been uh, the focus of this episode. But
2: I love Ducktales, so it was really
0: good. We should have we should have done that instead of Air America, apparently. Yeah, because now
3: that they just canceled the show, it would have been apropos. Oh, that's true. But uh, yeah, I always liked the movie. I thought it actually did pretty well because when I saw it in the theaters, it was packed. But
0: I saw I mean, it has like a
3: cult following. So
0: I saw going through Air America's box office, it came in eighth the week before. So oh, it didn't do geez. amazingly, but it's probably it's probably better than other films of its caliber because all re- all you really have right now are the Disney films. They're they're starting to get the new Disney Renaissance. Right. There's much else. There's you know um, Don. What's his face? With all dogs go to heaven. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, Don Bluth.
0: Don Bluth. Yeah. So there's yeah, really like of them. So honestly, you- in
3: retrospect, it looks like a movie that would probably be DOD <laughs> or direct the video now.
0: Yeah, for sure. But it was trying to capitalize on the Disney afternoon shows because this is the peak. I think DuckTales starts in 87 or 88. And then you got Chippendale the next year, then Darkwing Duck, then Tailspin. And each of them came out in a consecutive year. Tailspin actually comes out in September. Uh, so it oh. hadn't, hadn't even debuted yet at this point. And so I think they're trying to capitalize. This is when DuckTales was peaking on Disney afternoon so then they'll churn out all the repeats at the same time and then for the next few years you're just watching two to three seasons of these four shows right <laughs> so I think this is the peak of that stuff, and I don't think they minded getting a lower box office even if it meant you know eighth place
3: right I guess it got the word out
0: yeah I, I, think, yeah. I think it's a good movie there's
3: good publicity I guess for their other shows
0: yeah I remember it being a big deal but I was also 4. Mm-hmm. So
3: I was a, I was a big fan when I saw it in the theaters so
0: yeah.
3: Um also uh, Flatliners came out. This, Flat
0: same week ago, this this got number 1 that week with about like 10 11 million.
3: Yeah. Um
0: I it always found it to fun.
3: be a little too style over substance for my taste. I always thought a remake would be good and then we got the remake and it was worse somehow.
2: Cause Cause they're like they're trying to go for a lost boys vibe, but like with Sutherland. yeah, it's
3: got a lot of people from the Brat Pack,
2: yeah.
3: Um, uh, it's got Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, Julia Roberts, Kevin Bacon, and I'm probably missing somebody, mm. but uh,
0: those are the ones I Joel kind of-
3: Schumacher film, so it, it looks like an MTV music video at, mm-hmm. at times.
0: Do you like it? Well, you not look- really, yeah.
3: I'm lukewarm on it.
0: I just wanted to see it.
3: But it's got a great premise. Yeah, the premise is good.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the Exorcist Three came out.
0: I've always wanted to see this too. This sounds like the best one, other than the first.
3: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It. Uh, it's the second best one in the franchise. Not that that's saying much. But um. Well,
1: I heard it got a little crappy because like they did all the horror stuff in the first movie, so like the Exorcist movies weren't at that point not not mm-hmm. as scary because they had done uh. They've done the same stuff. So, like, they got a little campier with the third one, from I what I hear. I've never seen the third one. I uh,
3: not really. There's a there's a jump scare that's like legendary amongst yeah, horror I've fans.
0: Seen, I've seen that one, and it scares me just isolated for that scene. Oh, the editing like, is perfect
1: in it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should see it. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I haven't.
0: Of the other Exorcist movies, it's the one I want to see.
3: Yeah. The dialogue is sumptuous. And then uh, you got George C. Scott. He's always good sumptuous. in uh, horror movies, he never slums. <laughs> Yeah, between this and the Changeling, like he he was really good at choosing horror movies. Hmm. Um, we got My Blue Heaven, which is a weird movie because it's a Nora Ephron movie. Uh, she wrote it, directed by Herbert Ross, and it's based on the same source material as Goodfellas. What? So basically, <laughs> Steve Martin is playing the uh, Henry Hill character, in witness protection, but it's a comedy.
0: It's a farce. And it mm. comes out before Goodfellas does later this year. Right. That's wild.
3: I like it. Huh. It's very frothy and fun. Mm. But it's weird to think that that's the same source material that Mitch Pelleggi's book was. Uh, um, Dark Man came out this month. Uh, Sam Raimi's first attempt at a comic book movie. Probably his best, in my opinion. Uh, I okay. love Dark Man. I think he peaked at this. Not Spider Man 3 contrary to what Tristan thinks
0: mm. it's his best film
3: okay uh yeah Darkman is a uh, got a lot of gallows humor but it's very tongue-in-cheek it's fun uh first early action movie by uh uh Liam Neeson Francis McDormand's in it so there he's capitalizing a little bit on his uh Coen brothers affiliations yeah but has anybody
0: else seen Darkman I've seen the beginning where he becomes Dark Man. Okay. But that's it. So I've watched like the first 20 minutes.
3: Yeah. It's very stylish, pretty ultra violent, too. Yeah. For, I'd like
0: to see the rest. Um, pump Up
3: the Volume came out. I've seen it's scenes. Uh, it's basically Christian Slater as mon- a <laughs> monologist, kind of like uh, Eric Bogosian in Talk Radio if he was in high school. Really? Well, it comes off very smug and obnoxious not a fan of this uh wild at heart came out
0: oh the nick cage
3: david lynch
0: and uh, laura dern
3: right i find uh willem Dafoe so repugnant in the movie that it's hard for me to enjoy whoa Billy. Yeah, he's he's so repulsive his role in the movie and he lingers on it for so long that i can't really enjoy this
0: movie interesting it's one of the few lynch films i haven't <laughs> seen so i gotta I got to get in on that. Yeah. Basically, that. you would
3: think Nick Cage, David Lynch, perfect for one another.
0: And Laura Dern's his muse. So,
3: right. And she is sexy in the movie. um mm, Laura Dern. The Witches came out.
0: Hey. It was
3: just remade.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the remake, Jeff?
2: I have not yet. No.
0: On HBO. It's not bad. Don't bother. Oh, Far yeah. inferior. I said
1: it's not bad. We never talked about okay. it. We watched it in like a fever dream. Yeah. No. Well, Jeff's got he's got kids. They they'll enjoy it.
0: Yeah. They would probably.
3: Yeah.
1: because like they the... they they won't be disappointed because they don't have something better to reference. Right.
3: The newer one is definitely more family friendly. That's for sure.
1: Yeah.
3: The older ones scared me as a kid. The makeup is exceptional and. And Joka Houston's giving like a tour de force performance.
0: It's
2: hmm. Amazing.
3: Um, men at Work came out. Which okay. is a, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, it's Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez. They're not playing brothers though. They're just best friends.
2: Yeah. Really? They
3: play garbage men. when they get involved in some uh, political conspiracy involving a dead politician trying to dispose of the body. But the, uh, the person who stands out the most in the movie is Keith David, who people might know as the voice of Spawn. He's been in the and the thing. He's in the thing. But uh he has some priceless lines throughout the whole movie. It's a funny movie. They got good chemistry. They should do more things together, those two brothers.
0: We probably should have done that instead of Air America.
3: Yeah, well, none of us had seen Air America, so it was a good
0: you were excited. I haven't seen that other one either. Yeah, yeah.
3: I don't know. Uh, now we got the bottom of the barrel. We're getting oh, geez, that
0: wasn't the bottom.
3: No. So speaking of uh, Emilio Estevez, uh, Young Guns Two came out, which is an adequate sequel except for the old age makeup makes little big man look like a prosthetic marvel. God, okay. the 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 wraparound scenes with him and the makeup look so bad.
2: <laughs>
3: um. <clears throat> A movie that Tristan's seen, *Metropolitan*, came out. Yeah, uh, it's a very didactic, dry, not very interesting <clears throat> art house film.
0: What's his name? The guy that did it?
3: Uh, Witt Stillman.
0: Yeah, he's infamous on the indie scene as being like.
3: He's like a Jim Jarmusch if he didn't have like a deadpan sense of humor.
0: Yeah, it's like a very serious version of that. Yeah. I like, think You know, people think it's funny because it's very rye, but it's almost too rye. Yeah. Or eating just toast, no butter.
3: Yeah, I laughed maybe a couple of times at the beginning, but after that, it becomes like a, a satire in the bourgeoisie, and it's not exactly that.
0: He does much better later with his other films, like that uh, Love and Friendship that Kate Beckinsale's in a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, last days of disco, which is a
3: that's much better
0: contemplation on the changing of the guard of you know how youthful generations pass along basically the same idea of uh, what they want because disco was dying but the club scene was still there so what replaces it and and why can't we still enjoy ourselves in our thirties? Right. Um, Twenty five.
3: Mo better blues. Uh, Spike Lee movie with Denzel Washington playing a jazz musician. Uh, I watched it. It, uh, It's a little too protracted. It's a little too long. And uh, the karmic plot twists are very predictable. Also, Spike Lee gives himself a big supporting role, and he's no actor. Which we'll see in Malcolm X later on.
0: Well, I want to watch that. I've never seen. Oh, Malcolm Spike X. Lee was in that. In Malcolm X. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't.
3: I don't remember that. That's weird. Um, taking care of business. Which, speaking of James Belushi, uh, he. About this Weird thing about this movie, written by, Jill Mazursky, Paul Mazursky's daughter, and J.J. Abrams. Oh. His first project out of school. Hmm. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> It's, it's, very, it's a off. high concept movie and it's very contrived. James Belushi plays this ex-con in the nicest prison I've ever seen. Everybody's so goddamn friendly. This is like the nicest prison out of probably Paddington 2. Oh man, I gotta see this. And this is supposed to be realistic somehow. But he needs to get out because he wants to see the Cubs win the World Series which, again, fictional.
0: You can wait though. You couple can wait.
3: <laughs> but, uh, They won't let him out a day ahead of time so he because he's just won tickets so he has to they have to stage a coup at the prison so he can get out then through happenstance he gets the facts of this uh executive played by charles groden he assumes his identity hijinks supposedly ensue it's terrible
0: it sounds like a guilty pleasure
3: it's not. Mm. You can watch it if you want. Mm.
2: Uh,
3: Delta Force Two, which uh, Cannon got a hold of Charles uh, Chuck Norris pretty early on, so this is them capitalizing on uh, the original, which actually is actually one of one of the better Chuck Norris movies, mostly for the cast too, because it's him, Lee Marvin, and the villain is Robert Forrester. It's actually based on a real-life event where, where this uh, this airline was taken over by mm-hmm. terrorists. It's actually a pretty well-done movie. This is not. But um, Billy Drago plays the villain, since you were talking about uh, The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's so slimy and hissable. He's like a great villain, but I wish he was in a better movie, because the action scenes are very pedestrian. And then... Uh, the movie I was most looking forward to, which I watched, was uh, After Dark, My Sweet, hmm. which is a uh, crime drama, neo-noir, with uh, Jason Patrick, Bruce Dern, and um, sorry, the name escapes me of who the uh, the girl is, but it's based on a novel by Jim Thompson, who's uh, who did... um killer inside me if anybody saw that
0: oh yeah that's
3: yeah so he he does like really hard-boiled cynical noir movies this one uh has a great twist in the last two minutes but to get there is a slog and Mm -hmm. jason patrick is a little too mannered for my taste he's he almost plays the character like an idiot savant Which i think this is the wrong approach for the movie so he's a little miscast
0: (laughs) A little bit like Motherless Brooklyn.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, no, I
3: thought you did a good job Motherless Brooklyn. So, after all that,
0: let's get the poster. Jeff, Jeff are you awake? Oh, yeah, I'm good. You ready?
2: <laughs> Sorry, that was a long one. I was. That was a
0: all, long in all right, here you go, buddy describe right.
2: poster. okay so we've got Jack Nicholson uh, clearly as he's named at the top in a white suit smoking a cigarette um, and it's a very noir looking thing he's standing in front of uh, a purple Carmen San Diego and a <laughs> some other just blue looking dude with a snub nose um this
0: is an avatar mind you was
2: that it's not avatar okay it's not you have it going for a second um this is the early navi it's very um i don't know artistic. it looks like a Drew struzan type sketch um and there's another cigarette trail coming from purple carmen san diego
3: Remember when people could smoke in movies?
2: and posters. Right. Remember when it became such a part of the artistic integrity of the movie? Yeah.
3: Just looking um, at this, I can already tell that uh, Jack Nicholson is very airbrushed because he's a lot heavier in the movie.
2: Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> clearly, he's 100% drawn in this one, so. Yeah. Everybody's airbrushed. Um, okay. So yeah, he he
0: that? Let me ask you this: What would you call this? <laughs> He's never getting this title.
2: <laughs> Joker. No, it's um, <laughs> just a prequel to him being that. Um, that would explain the purple. Yeah. Right. Purple now, gangster. I mean, come on.
0: Let me ask you a second question: What does this remind you of? Given that it's Jack Nicholson.
2: It actually oddly reminds me of like Casablanca, like a send up of that. Hm um, just stylistically.
3: What about something in Jack Nicholson's catalog of movies?
2: Uh, the shining I't I'm actually not that <laughs> familiar with his entire body of work. Um, okay. Something's gotta give. Again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
3: That's Keanu in the background.
2: Right. Um, okay. So I would call this Crimes.
3: <laughs> crimes the movie.
0: See, this was a little difficult because unless you know Jack and know what his probably most famous film is uh, yeah. I don't know that you the would di- ever
3: probably the director's most famous film.
0: Yeah, and you for sure would never get the title just from the poster. So I'm just gonna yeah, give no. that. And obviously, I, I blurred out a little bit of the phrasing, but
2: taglines. Okay, so the taglines. They say money makes the world go round, but sex was invented before money. Such a dumb tagline. So I also revealed the title. I knew you would never. It's okay. Get it. I didn't look at it. I'm literally covering it with my hand right now because I want to play fair. Um. Okay. So, Synopsis. He's
1: mm-hmm.
2: trying to run a free range brothel. I say free range because it's all, it's more of a, a co op <laughs> than an actual.
0: What is this, is Joe Pesci's Love
3: Ranch? <laughs> I, yeah, I thought that's what he was describing
2: at first. Yeah. Um, Okay. I I mean, you can look at the title now. It has nothing
0: to do with the synopsis. No. Yeah,
2: you're never going to get it from the the two Jake's.
0: (laughs) Yeah, how would you ever know?
2: I mean, unless I knew about his character.
0: You know what this is? No. A sequel to Chinatown. Really? Mm hmm. Funny uh, enough, I showed this poster to Jimmy right before we uh, got onto the Zoom, and he's like, what is this, Chinatown?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So Jimmy actually won poster book before we did it.
1: Well, technically.
0: And he never heard of the two Jakes. He yeah. didn't know there was a sequel. So.
1: Like, uh, and I instantly when he told me, he's like, yeah, no, a sequel to Chinatown. I was like, what, did it a flop? And he was like. You never heard of it, had yeah, you? Yeah, I never heard of it. <laughs> so clearly, yeah. yeah, yeah
2: I've, never seen, I've never seen Chinatown. So, so I.
0: Again, I don't know what this is about anyway, so why don't you give us the synopsis, score?
3: Okay, so you know how when uh, Chinatown was all about the water, the water, everybody had to control the water. Well, this was gonna be a proposed second leg of a trilogy around the Jake Giddies character, Hmm. which also, do you see a scar on his nose? Because I don't. Um, But anyway, this is gonna be the second part. This was gonna be about land. Uh, land development deal,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and the other Jake, it's actually a couple subplots interwoven into one another. The other Jake is actually played by Harvey Keitel, who suspects mm-hmm. that his wife's having an affair. So
0: is that it who the is? Jake
3: Giddies. That's Madeline Stowe, actually the woman back there. Okay. And I think yeah, I think that's probably Harvey Kaitel.
0: Okay.
3: Um, and then the uh, the third one was in development because, but this did so badly. That they dropped that third one because they were going to try to do a new uh, jake giddy's adventure in each decade okay. but since the, the second one did so poorly they they dropped that actually this one's directed by uh jack nicholson himself
2: really mm.
3: right
1: oh well there's your problem
3: yeah. you know you're right because he's not a great director
1: this poster were... though this poster looks amazing it's probably yeah. best. No,
3: the poster's way better than the movie
1: yeah. i don't need to see the movie i got the poster
3: Ah,
0: well so, I cool <laughs> speaking of robert downey uh i was going to propose to you because initially when we were uh trying to develop this version of the podcast we were thinking well what movie came out this week we'll talk about that and i kept using the example of Doolittle because it's the movie that broke Corey. And so we would have talked about maybe having what's your favorite Robert Downey Jr. he He's
3: got PTSD. Brother. Yeah.
0: So is Doolittle your favorite Robert Downey Jr. film? God. Anyway, what what is all our favorite Robert Downey Jr. films?
3: Kiss Kiss Bang Bangs up there.
0: That's what I was going to go with.
3: Starring, right? We're not doing
0: anything. Anything they're in.
3: I like back to school.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is he barely in that?
3: He's a supporting character. He's like his son's best friend. That's fun. But probably Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is probably his best film.
1: Yeah. Uh this is the first thing that popped to mind was my uh, uh Tropic Thunder. I thought he was gonna say Chaplin.
0: Yeah. Chaplin's great. I just like Kiss so it like I'll rewatch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a lot. That's a good Christmas film. We should be. Uh, it's Shane
2: Black. It. It's Christmas. Yeah. yeah.
0: What about you, Jeff?
2: Uh, I mean, off the bat, I'm gonna have to go with Iron Man, the first one. Uh, not, not a bad choice.
0: choice. Yeah, that's not surprising. You made your own uh, chess thing.
2: I did. I made. I made a. Oh wow. I made an arc reactor thing, like, thing based off of stills from the trailer. Because the movie hadn't come out yet before that uh, Comic Con, and so I made it like, you know, it was like a little PVC end cap that I had cut holes in and put LED things. So it looked great shining through the shirt, but if you actually looked at it in person, it's like, what the fuck is that? Um, yeah,
0: it, it was really impressive for yeah. not really having seen the film. Yeah,
2: so,
3: I got the, uh, I got underrated uh, Robert Downey. Yeah, was uh, Darkly? Mm. Well, that's good. Great yeah. A lot.
0: I was gonna bring up. I kind of mentioned earlier in the film he had just come off a. Of Chances are, I like that film. I rewatched it recently. It is uncomfortable. It's basically this. This. It's like
3: Prelude to a Kiss in a way, but not. Yeah. As good.
0: Yeah. This guy grows up and he's like the reincarnation of these four people. It's oh, it's it's his it's her, uh, ex-husband. It's her ex-husband, a uh, civil shepherd, right? Yeah. And he eventually finds his way into. A relationship with her daughter who is born the same night he dies so he's basically s- sleeping with his own daughter a, reincarnation of himself mm. it's very romantic, but romantic. You about the implications
2: yeah i don't know if that's a great yeah. right word for that
0: meanwhile he's followed around by four ghosts who also died in the bus crash that the father died in including charles groden and uh who are the other ones there's
3: no, 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 you're thinking of a totally different movie.
0: Am I combining it with uh, Yeah, you're hearts thinking of heart,
3: uh, you're thinking of hearts and souls, you're thinking of oh, a totally hearts. different
0: movie. I like both <laughs> of those films. That's, that's
2: well, funny story. that you did that though. Um the soloist. Oh, I it was a good one. It was a good one, and it was it was funny because uh, one of my college professors had written and directed, let's say it's about just a a homeless virtuoso in in new york city and like the guy that the reporter that befriends him and like tells his story and one of my professors had written and directed a um the same story a few years earlier but it was like shelved for for years and this one was released before that one even came out so when it came out 12 years later um Everyone was like, oh, it's just the knockoff of the soloist. And he's
1: like, no, man. <laughs>
2: it was but like Tristan when he was Tristan was trying it it was very, to develop it was about as heartwarming as I'll ever see Robert Downey Jr. get. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a good movie. It's true.
3: Yeah, sorry, it got, it got greenlit because it had Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr., two huge stars. Sorry.
0: Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> sorry about that.
2: Yeah. uh,
0: oh, this
2: one had, uh Nobody a fan of uh, it had, no it had, it had one of the Wayans brothers and Christian Camargo <laughs> Oh
0: that's cool. yeah interesting
3: nobody had a nobody's a fan of uh, the Shaggy Dog? Shaggy DA. No no he's a Shaggy
2: Dog. Shaggy dog?
3: He's a DA oh, right. in it, but it's the Shaggy Dog.
2: I just saw with that Tim poster Allen. and I was my nightmares were rekindled.
3: <laughs> oh, you didn't want to see a dog with Tim Allen eyes?
0: Yeah. Is
3: that creepy or something?
0: So I figured along the same line since we were it's a two hander. Uh, favorite Mel movie, favorite Mel Gibson. Oh, Christ, I you knew this was coming.
3: I know, but it's so hard.
0: You suggested it. I know. What would
1: the say? Patriot? Uh, it's a good between We Were Soldiers and uh, Braveheart. Good choices. Yeah,
0: good choices. I'm trying to think of what an is, underrated
1: male movie. Why has it got to
0: be one? He just got two. Yeah, go I just go got go two. You could get Okay, could fair get. enough.
3: All right, Lethal Weapon and Payback.
0: Mm, that's a good one.
2: Has anyone seen Fat
3: I have. Yeah, what do you think? I like it a lot. It's not an action movie, though. Okay. It's a, uh, It's a dark comedy. So if you're going oh. in with that expectation, you'll like it a lot. And Mel knocks it out of the park. In fact, Mel's got another movie coming out next year that I recommended to Tristan that he check out. I don't know if he did or not, but it's fantastic. It's called Boss Level.
0: Hmm. I thought that was this year. That's not out yet?
3: No.
2: I got a screener. Uh. I changed my answer. My absolute favorite Mel Gibson movie is Chicken Run. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a good movie too. It is. That's a good one. I yeah, it. that is a good one. Well, along the same lines,
0: can I go with Pocahontas? I love his voice work. Wow. I like Pocahontas. It's not my, it's favorite. Not my favorite. It's not my favorite. You like Lethal Weapon? Yeah, I'd go with Lethal Weapon. Uh I'm trying to think of other things. I've always wanted to see Gallipoli. I feel like that would be one mm. of my favorites once I finally do. Because I love what I've heard about the movie. Yeah, I know it did. Right? Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've I'm never serious. seen
1: *Gladiator*. We'll watch it we'll get back yeah. to you. I, I've been meaning to. I, I yeah. keep on forgetting that's so, the thing. Because Obviously,
3: Braveheart.
0: Yeah, Braveheart's good.
3: Drag Cross Concrete's really good.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of any others that I'm like off the top of my head. That oh,
3: Bloodfather is an on. underrated one's a great movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, what was the one that was the remake of the Bob Peck thing? I like The Edge of Darkness. Bob
3: Peck. Yeah, that was good.
2: Was uncredited in Casper. Oh god. I forgot
0: about
3: that. It's terrible. Yeah.
0: Now I might go with Edge of Darkness.
3: That's a good one. Yeah. Anything where he's getting revenge yeah. is usually pretty good.
2: He's the he's Bell
0: the on a
3: Rampage that. is always good.
2: Yeah. All right. Mad Max. <laughs>
3: See, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's tough. Like The Road Warrior is a great movie, too.
0: I don't like Mad Max.
3: The first one or all of them? First one. Okay. No, the first Max. one's not that great.
0: I think it, I fell asleep is all it is. I don't think real it's Warriors,
3: the best one in the franchise.
0: I think Mad Max is slow and each of them picks up. I haven't seen the third one, so I can't say that's better or anything. Mad like, Max
3: kind know. of feels like a pilot. Yeah. To a great okay. series. <laughs> I'm
0: glad you agree. And real warrior is the yeah, better version does. of Mad Max, yeah. Um, but I like the newest Mad Max better because I think he finally honed what he wanted to do with the franchise and no offense to Mel. I, I don't think, um, what's his face is better, but
3: oh, Tom Hardy,
0: Tom Hardy. I think, I think he's just a different version of Max, you know, yeah. Charlize's his film. So
3: anybody a fan of Maverick
0: Maverick, there we go. There's a good one. Yeah. I just completely blanked. I should have had his filmography up.
1: Uh, no, 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 this is better. That way you like
0: yeah, yeah. Jogs oh, up the jobs. There's too many
1: great ones. It's hard. The Beaver.
0: Yeah. I never saw that.
3: We Were Soldiers is great. Speaking of Vietnam. Yeah. No, that's what, no, that's said, what yeah. I said.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause like uh like one of the things I remember like they had a, uh the original Colonel uh, mm. on set and like because he was on set like uh some of the explosions like that happened during the making of the film he actually kind of like uh you know uh reverted back to Vietnam and like he put a step <laughs> he went to go grab his pistol was like oh wait this is like two thousand something I'm not in Vietnam right I now. I think gonna say he scaled up, the up into flashback. a tree and he was like Charlie's
3: up here. And they shot some of the extras
1: oh yeah yeah i yeah. know i was like yeah you want to just just pew pew? there we go the one that
0: i forgot about was the patriot
1: oh yeah i knew you said was...
2: the
0: patriot oh you did i, I did oh, yeah.
2: and then i changed my answer to chicken run that's yeah. that's all i heard because yeah. he was still a patriot let's be honest right so, yeah
0: yeah my uncle uh got a prop from the gun because he he was part of the reenactment crew oh nice uh, he ended up getting Chucky Carrier's rifle huh he's the he's the french lieutenant that's helping them towards the end
3: what's um, your favorite movie directed by mel Apocalypto.
0: i gotta see Apocalypto because that's all i've heard is the best one so really all i've seen is passion of christ and uh
2: hacksaw ridge
0: yeah hacksaw ridge man. <laughs> Oh, of
2: course year. Year. I forgot he, did he got
0: nominated for Hacksaw Ridge for a director Oscar yeah. but, well,
3: Braveheart he won
0: yeah Braveheart's great I'd say Braveheart <clears throat> okay yeah. I yeah. guess that's it. Um, that's it sorry about Every America if you watched it because you saw our title but uh, remember to rate, subscribe uh, and <laughs> comment if you'd like we're available wherever you get your podcasts uh, Stitcher and uh, iTunes and Spotify. We're obviously on YouTube.
2: So. Comment your favorite Mel Gibson or Robert Downey Journey movies.
3: Yeah. We'd like to hear there were incidents that occurred off the set. Yeah. You know, like Wolf. driving drunk, rants on the telephone. Don't tell this, us. Will, this will tie into the Tom Cruise thing. So. Yeah
0: yeah let's see if people have forgotten about that by january 1st
2: <laughs> all right well, well anyway have a great 2021 folks
0: yeah happy
2: new year
3: yeah <laughs> i'm sure the changing of a page on a calendar is going to change how the- yeah, this is our
0: That's year right, right? um yeah.
1: As, yeah as we enter a new decade we enter a new decade or an old decade we've entered an old decade as we yes. enter a new decade
0: it's finally the in 20.
2: All right, we're recording.
0: All right. Happy new year everyone. Happy
1: new Happy year. year. Godspeed. Hope you survive 2021. Clink, 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 clink. Virtual clink.
2: And we're done here.